none of my hookups after I've given them the information said, oh, I don't really want to hook up with you anymore. Uh-huh. Blinded by your good looks. Blinded by my good looks and my ability to communicate effectively. <laughs> That's probably really what it is. I mean, it helps. Combo pack. Okay, I told you last week that I was pumped about this episode, and it is true. Yana Talon Hicks is a sex educator, sex therapist, sex columnist, and I met her on Instagram years ago when I saw a photo of her holding, like talking into some sort of sex toy, like it was a telephone. And then I sent her a photo of me talking into a sex toy, like it was a telephone. I followed her and have been sort of low-level Instagram crushing on her ever since. So I am just thrilled that we could do this episode together. We have some pretty amazing podcast chemistry, if I do say so myself. And Yana is, she is a sassy woman and she sasses me basically nonstop during this episode. So I hope you enjoy that. There is some talk about my tan penis, which comes from my virginity story that I shared with her before we started recording. So there's a lot of innuendos and sort of inside jokes about my tan penis. Just know that when I lost my virginity, the next day at school, people started calling me tan dick. Just know that. You don't need to know the whole story just to know that. This whole episode is on how to be an ethical hookup. Yana did a sex talk with Camp teens and counselors and and the teens uh, co-created this list, basically 11 ways to be a more ethical hookup. And I I love this list and we're going to go through the list. So we're going to talk about how to be more ethical in your hookups. We're going to talk about an ex- like an STI script that you can use uh, when you want to talk about sexual health. We're going to talk about being clear about your intentions in a hookup scenario, which I find extremely important and also very hard to do. We also sort of uncover the fact that I have chronically been a one night stand kind of guy. I, I've over the years have come to know that I really like novelty, uh, and that's not to say that I'm un, un, incapable of having long term relationships. I have had a few of those in my life. So we talk a little bit about that, and of course, Yana's a therapist, and so every time I talk to a therapist, I sort of feel like I'm getting a free therapy session, which I don't know if that's ethical or not, but that is besides the point. There's a little bit of that going on in here. I love this episode. I love Yana. I love our chemistry. I hope you like this. I know you're going to like this. How to be a more ethical hookup. Okay, one thing really quickly before we get to the episode. I am looking for new music for the Love Drive podcast, the intro, the mid-roll, and the outro. I pay right now a service for like royalty-free music, and I like the songs. I don't love them. I don't love them enough to pay like 300 bucks a year for, for this stuff. So if you're a music producer or you know a music producer or a band that wants to provide music for the Love Drive, I would be thrilled to have new music that fits with the Love Drive vibe and also to promote people that make awesome music. So if you are that person or you know that person, send me a message or an email to sean at thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N, Sierra Hotel, Alpha, Uniform, November at thelovedrive.com or on Instagram 
at the Love Drive. If you have heard uh, Roman Mars's podcast, What Trump Can Teach Us About Con Law, he features music from Doomtree Records and he gets to promote them on his show. So I'm basically sort of ripping off Roman Mars a little bit, but you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So if you've got some music for the Love Drive, hit me up. I would love to promote you and to use your music. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. My name is Yana Talon Hicks. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a sex educator, sex columnist, and therapist. What are we talking about today? Um, We are going to talk about how to be an ethical hookup. And we're also probably going to talk about a lot of offshoots. <laughs> Let's do it. I love offshoots. <laughs> because I cannot stay on track to save my life. That's my job. Let's get into how to be an ethical hookup and why it's important to be an ethical hookup. Should we go down the list? Right? Sure, yeah. Well, can I tell you about this list? I, well, you, I want you to tell me about the list and I want you to tell me about why it's important for us to, to be ethically hooking up. Sure. This list was actually made by a group of teenagers um 16 and 19 years old at a summer camp that i used to go to um and this summer camp is like one of those sort of like culty sort of camps in a way where like you go there as a teenager which i did then you end up working on staff sometimes you end up co-directing it which i did and now i just like go back every couple years and i do their sex talk i just actually did it yesterday So this was part of our pre-camp planning session. So what you do is you go with like some of the campers that are on like in staff sort of positions. They're called spirits. They're like youth leaders. It's very darling. So the spirits and the other staff members and I came up with this list. Okay. And so they're all younger folks, which is cool because I think that a lot of the time adults don't like to let younger folks be in charge of their own sex education, uh, which is very misguided because like we don't know everything. We're Don't also you know not everything? doing a great job. We're not doing a great historically. job. Historically. Like, look around. Yeah. Not even historically, like open CNN. Or right now. Or right now. Yeah. H- historically and right now. <clears throat> yeah. All of it. So I think that young people actually are the best people to be telling us about like what makes an ethical hookup. I think they know maybe more than we do. Um, I think having like adult guidance when making these lists is always a good idea. But this content was really from them. Why is it important to be an ethical hookup? I mean, I think it's important because, first of all, we fuck it up all the time. Second of all, hooking up should be fun and positive, And there's too many avenues for it to be negative and shitty, as we know. Um, and also, like, being ethical as a human being is something we should be striving for. I don't think it's anything that we ever, like, hit. You know, like, I look at this list and I'm like, oh, have I done all of these 11 points every single time I hook up with somebody? No. Definitely not. I mean, I don't know that you don't, but I definitely don't. <laughs> I think I am pretty ethical, but I have work to do. Okay. Same. Okay, great. So, But I'm more ethical than you probably. Definitely. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> uh, oh, why, though? Probably because of our social position in the world. What is your social position? I'm a woman and you're a man. Right. That's true. <laughs> and how does that make me less ethical? Because you have been raised with a certain set of power standards that probably let you breach ethics more often without you thinking about it. So I had a recent conversation with someone that said that men and boys are conditioned to push boundaries until we reach 
Your goal. Uh, well, until we reach our, yes, the goal <laughs> or some significant pushback. Mm. Because, because people aren't, people don't do what, what is in this list. They don't talk about their intentions and their boundaries. Mm-hmm. We're getting better. But historically, men have been taught to just to achieve, do, do whatever you, whatever you can to get, yeah. to get that thing. Yeah. Until, until you receive pushback. Sure. And then you can make a decision whether you care or don't care. Sure. Whether you're ethical or not. Yeah. Okay, so you're right. You're probably more ethical than I am. It's okay. <laughs> don't feel too bad about it. Let's talk about something that I do know <clears throat> something about, Kay. which is step one. Yes. Which is know and share your STI, STD status. Tell me what you know. And know and share ways of managing risk of transmission. From a very early age, I was diagnosed with HPV when I was really young. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I got warts and it was lame. I think I got it from the first person I hooked up with, mm-hmm. I think. Or I'm not. I got HPV when I was 14 also. Well, okay, then you got it a year before. You win again. <laughs> <laughs> yes! In your face. Uh, so I w- have, have had to have this discussion since mm-hmm. an early age. And I didn't always. There was some, there was a, some years in my early teens where I wasn't good at having this, this discussion. Mm-hmm. And so I, what I realized early on is that if I don't bring up my status, mm. my partner won't bring up their status for yes. the most part. I will often tell, and also I tell this to young people a lot and also call So I go, part of my job is that I go around to high schools and colleges and I talk about consent and pleasure and sex toys and stuff like that. I don't talk about sex toys with the high schoolers as much, <laughs> college students for sure. But I, I usually talk to them a lot about how one person has the power to set the tone in a hookup scenario. Right. So if like we're sitting here waiting for the other person to be consent forward or ask about boundaries or share STI status, we're like waiting for somebody to give us permission to do that, like the other person. But we can do it. Like we can just be like, hey, consent's really important to me. This is how I like to play. And more often than not, the person that you're hooking up with will follow suit. They'll be like, oh, great, cool. I want to talk about this stuff too. Or they'll be like, ew, consent. And then you can be like, gross. I don't want to hook up with you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found that when I am honest about my status, it allows other people to be honest about their status. Well, and it's a shame reducing practice. And normalizing. Yeah. So the way I do it, uh, before before there's any genital contact, it has to be before a zipper goes down unzip unzip or a <laughs> hand goes up a dress or whatever uh-huh. because once that happens it's a lot easier to just kind of say like well fuck it like yeah. we're too far gone your like lusty brain is like triggered the lizard yeah the yeah. lizard brain so no your lusty brain my lusty brain not <laughs> your lizard. lusty lizard my lusty lizard <laughs> and i've been in that situation where it, it we just kind of blew through the moment where it was the best time to have the talk, yeah. which is before you touch genitals. Yes. And so I usually say, this seems like a really good time to have a discussion about sexual health mm. and sexual like uh, sexual health like practices mm-hmm. and status. And mm-hmm. then I, I will say something like, I'll go first. I was last tested X months ago. Mm-hmm. I had this many partners. Oh, you give out your your partner numbers? Since then, Oh, yeah. got you. We, I was yeah, like, no, wow, no. that's so complete. Well, that's too Dossier. much. I think no one wants to know that number, actually. Uh, I've had, you know, two partners since then. We've we've practiced, uh, you know, we've used barriers for intercourse, no barriers for oral sex, but I knew their status as being negative. And, mm. and if I have a thing like, oh, I've, I have HPV, I haven't had a wart in however many months or years... And 
that's what I know about my status. Yeah. What about you? And then mm-hmm. they'll tell me about them and then we can move that conversation forward mm-hmm. into like risk, tra- like mitigating risk mm-hmm. transmission because mm-hmm. because often as someone who has HPV, people are curious about like what that means and what their risks are. I also find that, so I once hooked up with somebody who had an STI that was... I don't even remember, honestly, which one it was. But they were like, all right, this is the SCI that I have. And like, and then they were like, here's the deal. Here are our options on how we can proceed. We can do this with minimal risk. We can do this with medium risk. We can do this with high risk. Here are the ways that I tend to navigate this risk. Like, da 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 And just like them having like a little package of like, here are your options. Yeah. Now that you know the elevated risk of this thing, here are the things that we can do. And their confidence with it and them feeling safe with it and them knowing how to manage the risk of transmission just like cooled my jets a lot. It made me feel really safe and comfortable with them. And I think it's also like a shame reducing thing to be like, here's the deal. And here's how we can blah, 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 blah. Just like you might like, if you have like strep throat or something, you're going to be like, listen, we could make out, but I just want to let you know that I have strep throat. Yeah. So like, maybe we shouldn't be like hot and heavy making out. Maybe we can do like a massage instead. Or whatever. Mutual masturbation. Mutual masturbation. Let's just ramp this shit up. I have strep throat. Let's masturbate. We can, we can fuck. <laughs> just don't kiss me. Don't fucking kiss and me. And I won't give you a head. Yeah. So in my experience, whenever I have told someone that I have HPV and I tell them what they need to know about it or what mm-hmm. I know about it, because mm-hmm. the, it's hard to really know everything about it mm-hmm. because there's so much misinformation out there. Oh, side note. Side note. Do you follow Erica Moen's comic, Oh Joy Sex Toy? No. Oh, you should. I will. They have really good, very short, digestible comics about stuff like HPV. Great. And I really like to like give people comics and be like, here's the deal. This is, go read this. Yeah, it takes five minutes. I'll be having tea in the bedroom. <laughs> come, come and find go me. Go read this comic. Come and find me. Why can't you read them together? <laughs> <laughs> because maybe they're going to have a reaction and okay, they need to give, need, give them space. Yeah. Okay. In my, so in my experience, nobody, like none of my hookups after I've given them the information said, oh, I don't really want to hook up with you anymore. Uh-huh. Blinded Which, by your good looks. Blinded by my good looks and my ability to communicate effectively. <laughs> That's probably really what it is. I mean, it helps. Combo pack. Combo pack. Go ahead, drink your coffee. <laughs> Okay, so that's part of being an ethical hookup is knowing your status and being able to talk about it and also having uh, transmission mitigation strategies and information. Yes. I feel complete about that. Check. Next. Number three says consider others' feelings. I love the jump from STIs to considering feelings. It's nice. It's so sweet. It's very sweet. Mm -hmm, It's a good arc. So how does that play into the whole hookup scenario i mean i think like sex and hooking up can mean a lot of things to a lot of people and i think this you know i think that's why know and be clear about your intentions comes after this one is because like some people feel like sex is very precious and it's like a connection and they're going to feel attached to you and they're going to want you to they're going to want you to like text them the next day or like check up on you or like wish them a happy fucking birthday or whatever other people are just like whatever it's raining i'm bored i'm gonna go have sex with this person La-di-da. Both of those like options and all the spectrum in between are totally fine. But I think like if you're not on the same page about that stuff, feelings are going to get hurt. 
if you're someone who feels intensely about the person that you have sex with yes. and you're hooking up with someone who, who will do it because it's raining out and sees it as an extracurricular activity mm-hmm. that doesn't need to involve feelings, mm-hmm. there can be a mismatch in how you're going to feel after a hookup. Yeah, and expectations and what the intention of the hookup is. And I think it's okay to like have a disproportionate amount of feelings being exchanged because like we can't be like, oh, do you feel a medium amount about me? Cool, me too. Great, so now we're even. Like I don't think that's going to be how it works, but I think that like letting people manage their own expectations is part of the deal. So if you're like leading somebody on and being like, oh yeah, we're definitely like going to go out to a romantic dinner on Valentine's Day because we had sex like three weeks ago. That's like fucked up. Well, that's where uh, know your intentions and be clear about that. Yeah. Into it because I have struggled with how to be clear about the fact that we're if we're going to have sex, it might only be for one time. Right. That, that's a, I think that's a really hard one to say. How do you do that? Well, I've never really been that great at it. So what do you do? I don't do it. <laughs> Confess your sins to me. <laughs> I don't do it. So you're just like, cool. Well, but you travel a lot. So are they really expecting you to be like... So they know. People know. There's some contextual cues. There's contextual cues. <laughs> they also know that I'm not probably the guy that's going to like stay right. in the city that we're in right. on my road trip. And I'm just going to like build a life with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So there are some contextual cues. And I think people, I sort of have a, a bit of a reputation <laughs> that might Your precede reputation me. reputation precedes Yeah, it might precede me as, because no, I, I haven't just, I haven't had a lot of partners in my mm-hmm. life, especially in the last like nine years. Like partners, you mean? Like, yeah. We're not talking about sexual partners. I've had a lot of those. <laughs> okay, great. Not a lot of romantic partners. Uh-huh. And I think people know that. I think uh-huh. if you know me for any length of time. That's your deal. I mean, I, I desperately want uh-huh. a love partner. I'm sure. I mean, I could bill you later for this session because okay, yeah. I have questions. Okay. Well, that, actually, this whole thing was under the guise of being a free <laughs> session. Oh, yeah. We'll, go, we'll record a podcast yeah. for sure. So I don't, I don't say, I find you incredibly attractive. I would be thrilled if we if we could have sex, uh-huh. I would just love that so much. And I want you to know that it might only be a one-time thing. You don't say that. I do not Why say not? that. I don't know. You because could. I, because I'm scared of not rejection. getting... Rejection. No, it's not rejection. I'm scared of not getting what I want, which uh-huh. is different than rejection, I think. This is going to be a therapist question. What makes you so afraid of not getting what you want? Because I want sex. Well, because I... Okay, because I probably get validation from sex. Uh-huh. Also, sex feels great. So what would you do? Let's play out this scenario. Let's say you're like, listen, I think you're incredibly attractive. I would love to have sex. It's probably only going to happen once. Is that cool with you? And the person was like, actually, that's not cool with me. I want to get married (laughs) or whatever. What would you do? I would be, I would say I am so not available for marriage with you right now. (laughs) And maybe in the future, Uh I just don't know. I'm not, that's not where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I'm not available for potentially getting married to you. Great. But I think you're a smoke show. Yeah. And would love to have sex with you. And if that person's like, sorry, hard no. Well, let's high five and, and, and it's a hard pass for both of us. And then what would you do? Hug it out and peace. And then what would you do? Meet somebody else. Oh my God. Or not. Or not. That's the thing. That That's the, that's the concern is that here's a potential hookup mm-hmm. that could be a hookup if I didn't tell her that it was only going to be a one-time thing. Right. Shitty informed consent practices. Very. Yeah, I agree. 
Not considering other people's feelings. Definitely not. And Point not three. And not being clear about my intentions. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. You know, I think people get really like attached to like their game, like socially and culturally, like we're trying to be suave about shit. Uh, my my game is to just like say the thing. Yeah, just say the thing. And also saying the thing is much better in terms of like consent practices. I think being suave often buries the lead. And I don't think that's very good consent work. What does burying the lead mean? Like burying the lead meaning like like to be suave is to sort of like more or less like pretend like you're not going to try to make out with somebody. Right. You know, it's like when you like pick some lint off of someone and you're like, oh no, and now I've fallen onto your mouth. Right. Rather than just being like, I think you're hot, we should make out or whatever. Or you can do it in a more suave way. It doesn't have to be that blunt. Well, I did, it, I did it recently where I asked someone if we could if she would like to go out into the woods and make out with me i think that's great game and then she said yes and then i said should i have asked you this an hour and a half ago and she said absolutely yeah great so cute and that's the thing that's like just saying what you want yeah i mean that's part of being an ethical hookup is is being able to articulate what you want yes first of all figure it out and then articulate yeah in a way that's not creepy yes Okay. Okay, so know, know our intentions. And so now we out. all know that you're one night stand only and now you don't even have to worry about it. I'm a one night stand only guy except for I ha- I'm not. Oh. It, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. And I uh, was a one night stand. Oh, is this awkward? <laughs> one day stand. One day stand. I totally want partnership and... You're just working on your blocks? I'm working on my blocks. And this was like... Aren't a, we all? This was a fun... This was like out of the blue, totally not prepared because I told you why that there's an extra added element of not being prepared at all. Uh huh. I didn't bring wet. I didn't bring condoms to the wedding. Oh. Because I was like, it's not even. That's mm-hmm. that's how far casual sex is in my mind now. It's like I don't even prep for it. Oh. Though I did shave my balls. <clears throat> Weird. Yeah. So. So part of you knew. <laughs> Part of you was like, I better shave these tan balls before I go to this wedding. They were so tan and so hairy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So we know about the intentions. (laughs) Of your hairy balls. Of my hairy balls. You're welcome to take that glow-in-the-dark condom with you. It's been on my windowsill for two months. I have condoms. I brought them on my That one glows in the dark and it's probably very faulty at this point. No, thank you. Come on. Roll the dice. (laughs) No, thank you. I already did that. Recently, so I'm good. Uh huh. All right, cool. <laughs> Anyways, anywho, five and six. Five and like six. We can clump these together. Yes. Respect your own boundaries and respect your partner's boundaries. Yes. Well, okay. So respecting your partner's boundaries, I feel like, is definitely like up in the cultural atmosphere these days. What with all the consent work, at least at my workshops, you know, like we're usually there to talk about consent. But I think a lot of the times people actually breeze past respect your own boundaries. I don't think people often check in with themselves about what their boundaries are all the time in an intentional way. And I think that like you're saying, like, know what you want, know what you don't want, and then like move forward with intention is part of the deal. And you can't really do that unless you're thinking about what your actual boundaries are. And I think also when people hear boundaries, they hear like some sort of like Debbie Downer scenario. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, boundaries. That means where I can't go. Yeah, your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Sad. I mean, boundaries could literally be, I'm down for anything. Yeah. Please don't touch my butt. Totally. Or boundaries can also be not 
negative. Like I think when people hear boundaries, they hear like, no, this, no, that can't go here. But boundaries can also be like, I'm like super fucking into the Hitachi magic wand and I want to use it all the time. That's a boundary. My enthusiastic yes is magic wand all the time. Right. And it's part of like a negotiation process, right? So if my person is like, I'm afraid of vibrators, I don't want to use it. Then it's like, cool, that's totally fine. You stated a boundary, I stated a boundary. Now we're somewhere in the middle. I'll be over here with my wand. I'll be over here with my wand. Don't look at me, don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really like I think that part of respecting your partners and their boundaries is building like what I like to call a culture of consent. And part of that is like, if a partner shares with you, like, I don't want to do this thing or like, no, this is a boundary for me to acknowledge that that takes a lot of courage. Like, especially if you consider your social status and your social power, like if someone is saying no to you or stating a preference, this could be like really scary for that person. And it's really great to reward them by being like, great. Thank you for telling me that. What else would you like to do? What do you want to do instead? whatever, right? Instead of being like, oh, but I wanted to like me. Like, I think the way that people respond to no's is really <laughs> shitty a lot of the time. They'll try to rene- like renegotiate. Yeah, or, or, or negotiate not even negotiate, but just like be coercive shitheads. Or just like take it personally or like make it about them. When in reality, your partner's boundaries are like about them protecting themselves. Yeah. And so I think that like rewarding that behavior more and more is really important. I'm an ethical hookup in this respect. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. But like when you tell me, what I mean is that when you tell me that you, this is this is a boundary for you, I all I always say thank you so much for telling me. Great. Because I, I don't know unless someone tells me. Totally. Well, first of all, I have to ask. That's a great way of finding out stuff. Right. Asking questions. Asking questions is the, mm-hmm. the best way actually of learning things about your partner. Even if you're scared of like getting an answer that you don't want to hear. That's part of being an ethical Like hookup. you saying, I want this to be a one night stand. You're scared of getting an answer you don't want to hear. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily want it to, want it to be a one night stand. It could be more than a one night stand. It just might not be. Okay. I don't know. Wait, so can we go back then to knowing your intentions? Because this is something that was a little chat on my Instagram sure. about know and be clear about your intentions is that your intentions are like a moving target. Right. So like your intentions might change. Like you might go into it being like, oh, I'm a one night stand dude. This is what I'm going to do. Like da da da. But then you might be like, oh shit. I like this person. I want to hook up with them again. Maybe I will move to their city (laughs) or whatever. Like you don't know what's going to happen. It changes. It changes. Just like boundaries change. Yeah. Boundaries, uh, even in, in the scope of a hookup. Sure. Can change. Yeah. Someone, someone told me I will not, Suck your dick. And I was like, great, no problem. Halfway through the hookup, actually, I would really like to suck your dick. And uh-huh. I'm not going to be like, uh, well, you said no, so it's no. But you could. Okay, so because people's like adrenaline gets elevated and their decision making gets mm. lowered. If you heard someone say like, okay, I'm definitely not going to do this thing. Yeah. And then you're halfway through a hookup and they're like, mm, actually, I do want to do this thing. It's not a bad idea to be like, hey, are you sure? Because you said earlier that you didn't right. want to do that. Just checking in with you. Like, I'm into it. But like, need I you said you? a thing. Yeah. This was a woman who had never slept with a man before. And mm-hmm. she was like, I definitely don't want to give do oral sex. It's yeah. like not something I'm into. Mm-hmm. And then halfway she was like, actually, that would be pretty <laughs> exciting. So okay. who am I to not to to not But the, at the end of the day, she's gonna make her own decisions. Right. So you being like just checking about this thing that you said. Yeah. It's I'll, the worst thing. It's not the worst thing. No. Okay. But also like we're not gonna be flawless. 
humans in every interaction. We're not Beyonce. We are not Beyonce, sadly. So today on my way to the gym, I was riding my bike and I saw this woman who was locking up her bike and we locked eyes. Although I was wearing sunglasses, so I don't know if we actually locked eyes, but she was looking at me in a very interested way and I was looking at her in a very interested way. And it is the end of summer and I am still single. Montreal's winters are pretty cold. And so I'm actively thinking about how nice it would be to be able to spend time with a woman this winter. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's, I'm aware of the fact that I need to ask people out if I want to go on dates. So I saw this woman and we both looked at each other. I found her incredibly attractive, but I was riding my bike and I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't think that I could just ride right up to her and say like, Hey, what's up? Uh, I think you look interesting. I wanted to present myself or I wanted to introduce myself. So I rode away and I, and I was sort of like regretting it a little bit. And then I said, fuck it. I'm going to do something. I don't know what yet, but I'm going to do something. So I turned around because I was about a half a block away. And when I, ca- I I went back, she was gone. And I sort of like looked around and I was like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then I realized that I could just leave her a note on her bicycle. So I didn't have paper or a pen. I went into a store. I asked for a piece of a receipt. And then I left a note saying, hey, I think we noticed each other while I was riding by and you were locking your bike. You look charming. And I would be thrilled to either ride ride bikes together or drink a thing together if you're interested. And then I left my name and my number and I had a sticker in my bag and I used the sticker to stick the note to her seat. And so far, it's only been five hours now or four hours, uh, no message back. And that's okay. I have low expectations of this working. But what I did was I took a risk right? I mean, the the riskier thing to do would have been to ride up to her and find some way to start a conversation with her. And luckily, I have several of those in my toolkit. But what I did was I took a risk. And taking more risks is one of the seven habits of highly sexual people. So I wrote a guide called The Seven Habits of Highly Sexual People, where I basically decoded everything I have done in the past to be highly sexual. And then I have gotten other things that other people do to be highly sexual. And I wrote this guide. It's a four-page guide and it has seven habits. And habit number one is take more risks. Start taking more risks. Flirt shamelessly at any opportunity. And also know the difference between flirting and hitting on. Those are two completely different things. Take more risks. That's one of the habits of the seven habits of highly sexual people. If you want the other six habits, go to thelovedrive.com forward slash habits. Sign up. I will send you the guide that there are seven of them. You'll also get a bonus guide, which is the three kick-ass conversation starters. And in hindsight, if I wasn't so shy, which I think is what happened, I think I was just shy, I probably would have used one of these conversation starters. So if you sign up for uh, the seven habits, you'll also get the three kick-ass conversation starters. And there's one of them in there that is absolute gold that I use on a daily basis with just anybody, not, not anyone that I'm romantically or sexually attracted to, just people. 
people in general at the grocery store, at the post office, anywhere. I use it all the time and it's gold. It gives you... It's... I I can't... I'm not going to tell you what it is. Go download the guide. Thelovedrive.com forward slash habits. Okay, let's get back to the show. We're talking to Yana Talon-Hicks, who is a sex educator, sex therapist, columnist, badass, and we are talking about how to be an ethical hookup. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. No shame in your game. No shame in your game. And then sub point, no slut shaming. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? It rhymes. It does. <laughs> I'm No, I think no shame in your game means like, don't be a shaming asshole. Oh, is that? Oh, no shame in your game. Yeah, like your game, like your, what do you call it? What do you call it? Your steez. Sure. <laughs> your way of interacting with people. Your way of interacting with people that you want to bang. That you want to bang. There you go. It's like not be a shameful turd. So like, don't shame people for sharing their STI status. Don't shame people for wanting what they want. Don't yuck their yum, as I like to say. Right. When has shame ever been a good strategy for getting laid? Oh, God. Never, I guess. So why would there be shame in your game? I think it's just to make yourself feel better. Well, it's coercive. If you like push on people's shame buttons they will like feel shitty and like act in a way to avoid the shame. Right. So like if the shame is like, Oh God, like, you know, I can't believe you're still a virgin. Like, then someone might be like, Oh my God, you're right. Being a virgin is shameful. Okay, fine. I'll have sex. Have it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good example. Yeah. And no slut shaming, you know, obviously don't shame sluts for being sluts. Slut to slut, don't shame me. <laughs> so I have a pickup truck that I drive around Burning Man. Uh, of course you do. <laughs> yes, it's my Burning Man pickup truck. And on the on the back of it, it says, sup sluts. Whoa, yeah. no shame in that game. No, oh dear. And I, <laughs> and I like creep, I'll just drive by people real slowly. I'll be like, what's up? Wow, and then I'll does that work to, for I'll you? I'll point to the back. No, I just keep driving. <laughs> it's not to pick up people. It's just to like say, what's up? Wow. Yeah. Very I want to shame you for that game, but I'm going to resist the you temptation. You can't. That's, no, that's <laughs> yeah. number I'm seven. I'm going to obey my own rules. That's, <laughs> you didn't make this. Okay. So no shame in your game. I mean, number eight, honor consent and seek it actively and ongoingly. Covered it. Yeah. Except for the ongoingly part. Mm. Yeah. What do you want to say about that? I want to say that... So the, the concept of seeking consent ongoingly is something that I have some practice in, but that isn't obvious. It's not obvious to say every time, would you like me to continue? Or would you like me to, or what would you like me to do? Mm-hmm. Or so how can we get better at, at ongoingly seeking consent throughout the hookup? I mean, I personally think that like getting a f- like enthusiastic, affirmative feedback during sex is pretty great. Um, so like if I'm like banging somebody and they're just like <laughs> not making a peep, that's concerning to me. Um, I would much rather be like, hey, like, do you like what's going on? And have them be like, yep, sure do. I just don't think it's that complicated. Like I think when people think about like seeking consent ongoingly, they're like, Oh, womp womp, you know, like it's like this, like, oh, do I still have your consent? And the person's like, 
yep, you do continue. Right. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be like hot. Like it's hot to be like, do you like that? And have your person be like, oh my God, I love it so much. Do you want me to put my mouth on your pussy? Yeah. Do you want me to stick two fingers inside yeah. you and caress your yes. spot? I mean, like dirty talk can really be a part of it. The more I talk about sex, the more sex I have. Just side note. <laughs> yeah. The better you are about talking about sex, the hotter it is. People, It turns people on. Makes you an effective communicator. I was thinking the older you get, the easier it gets to be good at sex. Sure, you have more experience. Well, you have more experience, but you also like know yourself better. Right. I personally think that about myself. Yeah. Next. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump and I'm gonna connect con- consent and seek it actively with check-in regularly. Yes. Because that's Totes. that seems to be the same thing, which that. is Are you still having fun? What can I do to make this more awesome? Do you want to take a break? Mm -hmm. I've been enjoying breaks the older I get. Yes. For sex. Yeah. Fruit. I like to eat fruit during breaks. Fruit, pastrami, whatever. I like to have uh, a blood sugar lifter Mm. and some water. Yeah. Sometimes I like to talk about politics. That's hot. (laughs) Oh, like if you're too cranked up and you need to turn it down a little bit. No, I don't know. I just like, well, I think that people's intelligence is very hot. So I like to hook up with intelligent smarty pants. What's that called? Sapiosexual. Okay. Even though I honestly, though, when people are like, oh, I'm a sapiosexual. I'm like, duh, dude. I don't know. Like, maybe that's what I take for granted. I'm like, who is not? Yeah. Attracted to intelligence. Well, some people just want to just want to fuck and they don't care if the person is smart or not. Oh, geez. Okay. I've been there. Come on. Don't shame Let's not shame non-sapiosexuals. No, you're right. Some people are just... You're right. They just want to get... They want to get laid. Whatever. So anyway, it's part of my sexual experience to be like, oh, damn, you're smart. Yeah. And then and like engage in some smart talk yeah. to turn you on. Yeah. I love breaks. I just think breaks are... It doesn't have to go all the way through. We can take You don't have to take a break the whole time. <laughs> well, you don't have to take a break the whole time because that's not having like sex. like five seconds in, you're like, oh. <laughs> break time. <laughs> break time. I mean, Talk you know, to me in two hours. Endurance. Also, I'm I'm getting older, and so I there's like one. If I'm gonna orgasm, it's a one orgasm yeah. situation. There's no. You need a break. Why? Well, well, I need a break sometimes just to like turn it down. <laughs> Your you tandic gets tired. Well, no, it gets too <laughs> excited. I'm sorry. Am I really like crushing your high school shame? Uh, is that a good thing? No, I'm asking you. There was no high school shame around my tan dick. Oh, I there never wasn't. Cared. Oh, you didn't care. No, I thought it was. If she had called me two minute man, because that's what happened. Oh, that might have been different. But tan dick, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, cool. Tan dicks <laughs> of the world unite. <laughs> I'm your spokesman. Okay, I thought you were talking about it like that was a thing that they were calling you as a way to shame you, and that you felt deep shame about your tan. Dick. I think they tried to, and it didn't work. It I just walked bounced into a, off your tan. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> My strong foreskin armor. I walked into a, a market and this guy was like, what's up, tan dick? Actually, it was a girl. What's up, tan dick? And I was like, what's up? That's so weird that you know the color of my penis. And that's it. It didn't really bother me. Uh, well, that's good. Or maybe it did back then. I don't remember. And I, I, and you I processed it. Drugs and alcohol to tamp it down. Mm. That's when I discovered ecstasy at the same time also. Your tan dick was on ecstasy. To- well, not at the not when I lost my virginity. But, okay, but shortly thereafter, that would have been wild. Oh, losing your virginity on, yeah. on ecstasy. Yeah, don't know anything about that. 
Anyways, I've never found that I wanted to have sex on ecstasy. I wanted to fucking dance my face off <laughs> and chew my face off at the same time with glow sticks and a pacifier and a Vicks vapor rub in my face mask. That's how I lost my virginity. No shit. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> People do it weird over here. You know what? I don't want to yuck your There's nose. something for everybody. All right. So know how to use a variety of safer sex tools and risk management techniques. Oh, does that mean barriers and ways of protecting yourself. That is what that means. Yeah. So, okay, for example, when I was talking about the person that had an STI and they were like, here's all the ways that we can manage this risk. It was really great to know that information. What were the ways? Or how did they have the talk? I mean, I don't want to get too much into the details, but it was just about like stuff that we can do, things that we can use. Right. Ways to manage the risk. Why don't you want to get into the details? It's personal. Oh, but... Talking about that, like, not, I don't want their name. Are you pushing my boundaries until you experience pushback? (laughs) I've been conditioned as a man and a boy. Yeah, well, here I am. I'm just curious. Conditioning you to recondition. I'm curious what that dialogue looks like, just in in a general way. Well, so the dialogue looks like, okay, for example, let's say that you do experience a herpes outbreak and you're like, oh my God. You have already had your really precious one night stand chat. And then you're like, listen, I'm in the midst of a herpes outbreak. So we can't do certain things without like your risk being very high. Here are some ways that we can mitigate the risk. We could do this list of sexual activities. We could use these kind of barriers. We could bloody bloody blue. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have options. Mm-hmm. And then present those options. Bloody Bloody Blue is the official. I know. Th- we're really getting down to brass tacks here. <laughs> this is how I educate people. I'm like, you'll figure it out. So know your risk, know the tools, and know how to use them. Yeah. Okay. Number 11, ask for preference regarding pronouns, body parts, no zones, and triggers. I have very little experience with this mm. because mm-hmm. I am a hetero like 99 percent hetero cis dude what's the one percent about i like blew some dudes just to see if i like liked it i thought i was gay for a long for i thought i might be gay for some length of time in my life why because i was super turned on uh by penises mm, specifically like in un- porn I need, there needs to be penis in my porn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lesbian porn just doesn't do it for me. Lesbian porn or girl on girl porn? Because those are two different things. Girl on girl porn or girl only porn. Uh Uh-huh. Penisless porn doesn't do it for me. Not even silicone dicks? Not even silicone Mm. dicks or phalluses. Okay. So I, I gave it the good old college try. Yes. Several times, yes, just to see, and it and did not do it for nothing. me. Like sucking on an elbow, on an elbow. <laughs> yeah, just like not, like just not, not hot. So I don't have a lot of. Experience. I would pay to see that. <laughs> this elbow part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can make that you happen. sucking on an elbow. It's doing it for me in my brain. I think a lot of people would like to see me give a blowjob. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think a lot of my followers. Niche, like, I think you could really develop a good side biz. A side biz. Like, like I know you were, I know you were like, you know, wondering how to beef up your Instagram presence. That might be a way. A number one piece of advice. Is start blowing dudes. Yeah. And and record it. Yeah. Membership site. Yeah. The Love Drive Blows America. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have a lot of experience asking people for their pronouns because I often just date cis women. 
So you think. So I think. Because pretty soon we're going to get to respect the gender and sexuality identities of your partners and support their continued journey. I love that. In the sex talk that I gave yesterday, we decided that, so this item says ask for preferences. We decided it should be ask for boundaries, needs, and preferences. Because preferences and pronouns, it's not necessarily a preference. Right. Right. It's Like it's who you are. It's the thing that you, it's your identity. Yeah. Um, so that was an edit that we liked to make. And also like triggers are very important. Triggers aren't necessarily a preference, right? That's like a strong boundary. So what this means is like, you know, know your person. Like it's really important to be like, hey, these are the types of things that we might do together. Like what are some places that you don't want to go? Are there any body parts you don't like to be touched? So, you know, you might be like, listen, I'm really into rough sex. These are the things that I'm into. Just like don't put your hand around my throat. So that's a no zone. Right. And and they could say rough sex actually is a trigger for me because totally. of some of my past trauma. I'm, I don't think I can actually fulfill that part of what it is that you want. Yeah. So if you're okay with more gentler sex that doesn't involve slapping mm-hmm. and calling you names, that would work for me as well. Well, and also like who wants to fucking trigger somebody that they are sleeping with? That's terrible. It's terrible for them and it's terrible for you. It's not, doesn't sound hot. It's not hot. So, like, know that situation before you walk into it. I mean, this also is just, this is more communication. Yeah. A lot of these is is learn how to ask and talk about sex, which is, you know, this stuff can be very intimate. Mm-hmm. And it could lead you into vulnerable territory, especially when you're talking about no zones and triggers, because sometimes there's an explanation behind that trigger or that no zone. Mm-hmm. And so that stuff can be a little tricky in a hookup if it's like a your first time hooking up with mm-hmm. somebody. Although being an ethical hookup doesn't mean that this is just a one-night stand. You can be an ongoing hookup. Yeah. But this, what all this to me means that it becomes more intimate. So learn how to ask about pronouns, body parts, no zones, and triggers. Yes. Okay. Well, and the nice thing about ongoing hookups, I don't know if you know this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Is that you get to know this stuff, you compile this information. So you already know it on your face. (laughs) I want an ongoing hookup. I really do. I totally want to. Maybe your next podcast should be How Do I Remove My Blocks to Having an Ongoing Hookup? I'm working with a a therapist on that. Oh, good. Yeah, of course. And I, I met a friend who lives next door to me and she does osteopathy. I don't know what that is. It's a thing that people do in in Canada. It's not that popular over here, but mm. it's a form of body work. Okay. And she was she was like doing releasing heart- your trauma mm-hmm. and my blockage, and she did a little heart check. And mm. She she put her hand on like the front of my chest and the back uh-huh. of my back, and, and yeah, like kind of squeezed the How's heart. How's it going? She uh, she said she undid some some sticky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She felt that there was some. Some friction there. And did you shave your balls before or after that session? They were pre-shaved. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's what did it. Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But thanks for that. You're welcome. I love this. <laughs> number 12? Respect- number 12. How do we get to 12? I think you're making up some numbers. Oh. Oh, no. you. I, yeah, I rewrote you them. You got it. Yeah, I rewrote them. Respect the gender and sexual identities of your partners and support their continued journey. Someone's gender and their sexuality identity is very personal to them. It's not up to you to decide. And people change all the time. These things develop. And you should respect that and not be a jerk. Like, I know, like, I, so I slept with primarily 
cis men for a long time. And then I ended up sleeping with some women in college and like the cis dudes that I had slept with previously that were like still in my social circle got their masculinity, got really alarmed. Mm. And they were like, Yana's not bisexual. This isn't real. But why would they care? Because they're freaked out. They're freaked out that their dick turned me gay. Oh, really? You think that's why? I know that's why. Because one of them, (laughs) I heard that through the grapevine, that one of them actually was scared that me dating them made me gay. Air quotes are happening. Right. I would be proud. (laughs) And I actually (laughs) told him that that was true just to fuck with him because I was so fucking pissed. Right. But it was really invalidating. As in, you can't make your own decision about who you want to sleep with? Yes. That a man has to push you to being gay? Ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. All of it is so ridiculous. I mean, how presumptuous. How presumptuous. And then I married a woman and was like, in your fucking face. I mean, his dick was bad but it wasn't that i know i was like relax your dick is not that powerful it was not great but it didn't push me to win (laughs) it was not tan enough to make me gay i'll tell you that you think tan dicks make people gay? oh yeah wow (laughs) maybe that's why it's only one night stands yeah because they just go gay yeah fuck it i can't deal with that fuck it that tan penis all right so this is a thing well and also okay so now we also know like in the queer community that like body parts and gender and sexuality are not like necessarily presumptuous. Like you can't really presume anything. So it's really important to check in with people about how they want their bodies to be referred to, how what their relationship to their bodies are like, et cetera, et cetera. And all this takes is a, is a short conversation. Short conversation. Actually, all these little points are very short conversations. Not with me, they're not, but... well. At least at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, they are short. Not I'm, everybody is, is like <laughs> in a session with you, okay? Sometimes it's just regular people living their life, trying to hang out, trying to get laid. Just trying to get fucking laid, not trying to get lectured. Uh, yeah. I, I think having sex with you sounds like a lot of fun. Ridiculous. It sounds like a lot of fun, a lot of chatting. A lot of chatting. Just getting it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> All these little things don't... It's not very challenging but you do have to talk about it. The last thing I want to say about gender and sexuality identity is it's not a very long conversation and literally all you have to do is ask and they will tell you and then just believe them. Right. I think people have like weird pushback against how they perceive people's identities to be and that's unnecessary. I mean, I have friends who, who do not understand using the gender pronoun they uh-huh. and say that it's a, an aberration on modern literature because... How, okay, this is literally his argument. How is he supposed to understand anything that he reads now? Every time he reads a they, he's not sure if he's mean, it means a group of people mm. or a person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't Sounds know. Sounds really hard for him. Maybe read the fucking context around the they. Mm. If we're talking about a group of people going sailing and then it says they got in the boat, mm-hmm. I'll be talking about the group of people going sailing and not someone who wants to be referred to as they. You know what? I would challenge this friend by saying, imagine that you found somebody's hat in a movie theater. And you were like, oh, look, somebody left a hat here. I wonder if they miss it. How will we get it to them? Or would your friend say, oh, look, somebody left his or her hat here. I wonder how he or she will get it back. Is that how he fucking talks? Because chances are no. He doesn't. No. And also, he already does it then. 
Or no, he, he already uses the pronouns. Maybe, but he may be like, oh, someone, he already does someone lost their hat. I wonder how we'll get it to him. Would he say that though? Maybe. To him? Uh, I might. would challenge him. Because chances are he already uses the pronouns. What is aggravating him is that someone is asking him to intentionally use those pronouns for a queer person and right. he doesn't get it right. and it scares him. So really his grammar is about bigotry and it, I don't think it's cute. Shannon, <laughs> we're calling you out. <laughs> You're being fucking challenged right now. It was a challenging conversation to have. It, it is a challenging conversation to have. And also, like, it's fine to feel, like, confused and overwhelmed by the world changing around you. But it's also, like, boo-fucking-who. These people are literally, like, discriminated against all the time. Nobody gives a fuck about your confusion about a group of people on a sailboat. Yeah. It's true. Sorry. Read the context. Read the room. Also, it just doesn't cost anything to just no. to, to accommodate people that have not been accommodated. Totally. Like, the, the opposite of being accommodated. Act, actively discriminated against. Mm-hmm. It is not that hard. It's not. Okay, anyways. And if you fuck up, that's fine. If you fuck up because you're learning, that's fine. Just correct yourself quickly, without drama. Move on. I was uh, at in Lake George on this on this lake with a bunch of <laughs> older white people. Uh-huh. And I and I brought this thing up real quick. I said, you know, what, how do you feel about people wanting to be referred to as they? And and one one lady goes, you know what? It was really hard at first, and then I realized it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And so if like rich old white people well and also it doesn't matter to her but to the person using that pronoun it matters a fuck ton well that's what she was saying it does, right. that doesn't matter to, to me her. to just change a right. thing just do it and and also she said that her daughter helped her in figuring out how to talk about things that change yeah change is hard get over it and lastly don't stir drama don't stir drama use the correct pronouns yeah don't fucking stir drama for no fucking reason. Don't be like Shannon. Don't be like Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Shannon. He listens to the show. I hope they do. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, how does it feel, Shannon? Well, also, Shannon. Confusing I mean, name. Confusing name. I'm sure you've been misgendered plenty of times. Yeah. How does it fucking feel? What if I was just like, you know what, Shannon? Your name sounds kind of girly to me, so I'm just going to use she, her pronouns for you because it's too hard for me to decide to do something different. Shannon. We love you. Is this actually about you? We love we love Shannon though. He's a good person. Do you have trauma about your Shannon first name Shannon? Oh, probably. Is that why you're so upset about Yeah. Brian? Yeah. Poor Shannon. Poor Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, we love you. I don't love you, but I also don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> we I meant. Look at us, we're stirring drama. <laughs> no, that's true. Poor guy. <laughs> don't stir it. Don't stir drama. Okay, do we need do we have resources? So I have a lot of resources available. You can read my sex column. You can watch my TED talk, unlike some people <laughs> sitting at my kitchen table. <laughs> you can write a sex or love or relationship question into my sex column and I will answer it. You can book Skype sessions with me. We get a little face to face time. I will lecture you to your face <laughs> about pronouns for money. Yeah, great. My website is yanatalonhicks.com. My Instagram is at the underscore V spot, V like vagina. That's it. That's where we find you? That's where you find me. Do you have a parting word or a parting thought for our listeners? Um, no. <laughs> Boom. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help of Guilford Street Studios. 
I really, really, really appreciate your support. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I really enjoy hearing from you. So if you want to contact me, you can do so at sean at thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N. Or on Instagram at thelovedrive. Your comments, your concerns, your questions, send them my way. If you have an idea for an episode, please, I'm all ears. Uh, Next week, I'm thrilled. I've been saying thrilled a lot. And also over the moon. But I'm really excited about next week's episode because we're talking to psychiatrist psychotherapist, Dr. Michael Collin, about being in a relationship with narcissists. And more specifically, with people that have narcissistic personality disorder. Not just somebody who likes to look at themselves in the mirror, like me, but actual people with a personality disorder. You know, there's a very powerful ability to express empathy, um, which typically lures people closer to them initially.